time for another edition of Tennis.com's weekly podcast. And here's your host, James Martin. All right. Well, welcome to the latest edition of the Tennis.com podcast. I'm James Martin, joined today with Steve Tigner and Peter Bodo. And I just want to say, guys, <laughs> I picked David Anko to win the World Tour final. And I uh, was a bit out on the limb, but uh, hey, how I'm sure of you were that? I was so sure uh, I should have bet on my. Give on me him. a break. <laughs> Give me a break already, Davidenko. Hey, Davidenko said he should have bet on himself, and I should have done the same thing. But uh, he Ooh. had a huge, huge uh, bad quote for him, huh? Uh, he had a huge tournament, obviously, coming through and uh, beating uh, Delpo in the final, and uh, really a routine win. Uh, Steve, get your reaction first. Uh, I mean, I thought that Davidenko, he played great. He, uh, he was. The perfect guy to win this tournament, and uh, as far as his not ever getting fatigued and, and looking sharp at the end of a long season, uh, what did you take away yeah, from the win? It's a perfect tournament for Davidenko. He, uh, it's, it's not a slam. It's worth a million and a half bucks. So uh, <laughs> big thing there. So that helps. He he outlasts everybody. Wait, are we saying are we saying that Davidenko is greedy? I'm just well, saying just like, he plays tennis shit. for money. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that. I thought his match against Federer was was one of the best he's played. He. He surfed forward at five four in the third. He was down to break point, and he hit a he just hit a gutsy great forehand. Must be the the shot of his career, and we'll see. Now, Federer was the one guy he'd never beaten. Lost to him twelve straight times. Maybe this will make a difference to him. He he he's broken through finally at twenty eight. He he knows he can beat anyone. We'll we'll see if maybe he takes the Grand Slams a little more seriously. I mean, Pete, what I thought was remarkable, he beat all three reigning Grand Slam champions. He beat Nadal, he beat Federer, and he beat Delpo. Um, he did. They, he was asked after the tournament, you know, is he is he ready to win a slam? And he says, yes, if it's best out of three. So, do you think he is going to carry anything away from this? And, and no, and, no, no. I mean, you know, look. I mean, the guy's the guy's a, a good player. He's a, a good player at that highest level, right below the Grand Slam champions. But we've seen this before. You know, he, he wins Miami, then disappears basically. So, and again, uh, you know, the guy, the guy. I, I like the guy's game. I enjoy watching him play. I think he's a good, solid player. But when it's time to step up on a big occasion against a big player, and I'm talking about Grand Slams now, not you know, the championships or or. So you don't or, think they take this as seriously? I no, I, I don't. I, look, I I mean, I think he wins because the round rob. This is he's like the perfect round robin tournament winner. He's like his win here. You could take that, put it like in a time capsule, and say this was what round robin tennis, and you could put the Wimbledon final between Nadal and and Federer another one, and say this is what single elimination tennis is like. Because basically, you know, a guy gets he's got a he's got a break. He can lose a match. You know, it's a matter of you know, there's a, you know Andy Murray in a corner with his calculator figuring out how many games. You know, he lost in case he can qualify. So, you know, again, I sound a little bit like a sourpuss about this. And all credit to Davidenko, he beat who, who had to be beaten. He won the thing. Good for him. But it showed you, again, the round robin produces some crazy results because of these these little built-in, you know, cushions and back doors. And, you know, even Del Potro. I mean, really, let's get, you know, let's, let's face it. Del Potro comes into that thing. He looks like like, like half dead and doesn't seem to really care in the that final much even. No, and, and throughout the, the first event. Yeah, and, yeah. and he ends True, up in yeah. a final. So, right. you know, it's round-robin tennis. It's entertaining. I, it's fun. But I didn't think the guys actually pl- – I mean, Steve and I were talking about this before, but I don't think they actually all really played the round-robin format. And Murray lost that, that round-robin match against Federer, 6-1 in the third. If he won a couple more games – He's going through because you had you had Djokovic at two and one. You had you know Delpo two one. You had him at two and one, and it was kind of like boy, you, if you had uh, just paid attention there at the end instead of got down yourself. And the other thing that I thought was interesting, and what I took away from this is that Djokovic to me is never going to amount to much 
consistently wise based on the way he essentially tanked in that in that match against uh, yeah, the day the day before he had said now i've i've matured over the past few months and the, the next day he comes out and looks like he's woken up on the wrong side of the bed and he tanks the second set and loses that set 6-1 and that's why he doesn't make the round robin because he he doesn't have enough games but let me say one more thing about davidenko i i don't really expect i would not pick him to win a slam next year but i think he's different from somebody like nalbandian who would just would just go away at the big moments. I think that it's up to Davidenko and the way he thinks of himself yeah. that he could win. If he conceives of himself as a Grand Slam winner, he could win one. I definitely think he could. I mean, I think it's whether he'll do that or not. I don't know. But it'll also matter who he plays because, like Delpo was saying after that match, he's like he, he he's like the PlayStation. <laughs> he just runs everything down. He's a perfect matchup for a guy like that who doesn't want to have the long points, but. Um, I mean, I think a lot will depend on, on the draws he gets, but he's got the But if he game. didn't play quite as much, which who knows whether that'll happen. All right, let's happen. stop talking about Davidenko, guys. <laughs> Come on, I had enough. I have Davidenko up to here. But let's get back to Novak Djokovic. Steve Tigner's picked the winner thing. Well, That's right. I didn't expect him to do what he I, ex- I actually thought going in that he would, um, he, I don't know if he had matured, but he, he seemed to have found a, a, a level um, that he could sustain over a certain amount of time, but he can't. He he um, he's all. He, it seems like he'll always be a guy who will have a bad day. He, he definitely the way he wakes up on. I mean, Arias called it during the match. He said it was a close first set, seven six. He was grumpy the whole set, and Arias goes, "Well, whoever wins this set, the the other guy's probably not going to put in the full effort." And it looked like he was going to just start swinging for the fences, Djokovic, and see, "Well, maybe I'll get back into it." Then he just, I mean, if Safin could be fine for tanking years ago. What was it? You know, I mean, you could find Djokovic for what he did. It was pretty pathetic, I thought. By the way, does everybody else here love Jimmy Arias? Oh, he's great. Yeah. I think Arias yeah. is terrific. I think he's the most underrated commentator out there. He's very good. Him and Leaf were actually, you know, I enjoyed them. I hate to say it, but I enjoyed them much more than I enjoyed Cliffy on Sunday. He doesn't <laughs> overdo the he doesn't overdo the praise either. Yeah. No, he's good. He, he, he didn't overdo it. And, and also with Cliffy, he was asking all the questions about Agassi's book. It was fine. But he's just kind of rambling style. It's not... Uh, not as entertaining anymore, I don't think. Cliffy, if you're listening, we, we still like we you. We love you, Cliffy. I need, to know if, <laughs> I need to know if Steve's readers, if Steve checked his blog lately, because, you know, they like to get on him when he makes his pick and say, oh, great, Steve picked my guy. Steve picked my guy to lose in a quarter. That means he's going to win. Have you checked your blog, Steve? I haven't checked since. I'm sure there's, um, you know. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you guys take out uh, of this tournament? Okay, we've looked at Djokovic, Davy Danko. I mean, Sauterling looked motivated. Um, but the other thing, I think the big story coming out of this isn't Federer. I mean, he just, okay, he came up short, but I don't think it really matters to him given his year. But Nadal, he, he doesn't get out of the round robin portion of it. He doesn't win a set. He's 0-3. He's clearly, I mean, I, you watched him. His returns were at best just rally shots back into the middle of the court, and he was getting attacked. He, you know, he lost the guys he's already lost to, and he just doesn't seem to have the confidence. I mean, Steve, I mean... Yeah, I think, I think this was the most ineffective I've seen Nadal. Even when he was running for balls, scrambling for balls, he hit them in a way that it seemed like he knew he was going to lose the point anyway. Um, I, I mean, I think... I don't think you can... I, I don't know. We'll see. This was, this was the, probably the worst I've seen him, but he does have these ups and downs. He generally goes in six-month periods of being really good, and then six months where he's... He loses confidence, and those six months happened earlier this year than they had in the past, and he bottomed out lower than he has in the past. But he's, he sounds like he's, he's really ready to, to start over in, in 2010. He said that, that, you know, this year, the end of this year has been tough, but he, you know, he's really looking forward to, to making up for that next year. So 
I don't know. We'll yeah. find out. I mean, he was on fire, Pete. This first half of the season, he won a ton of titles. Um, but if you look at since he lost to Djokovic in um, Madrid in the spring, he's one and nine against top ten players. Which, if you're a top ten player, I mean, that's just not getting it done. Um, that has to be worrying for him because he's not beating the guys that he's going to meet when he gets to the semis and finals. Well, I think his mind's pretty much elsewhere, but I think also there might be a bigger story. I don't know. I'm kind of on a fence about this, but you know, this could be this could be like you know the tournament which tennis blew up. You have Federer played. Look, a couple of those matches Federer loses. No way. He's he's up a break. I forget who it was maybe Del Potro or you know he's up a break. He's serving for it in the third, and he plays a horrible game. Gives a break back, and next thing you know, he's out. You know, and, and then you know, Nadal. Obviously, you got to talk about his performance now. You know, you know, these were. You know, if you went back to January and you said Federer and Nadal both qualify for the ATP Finals, what's going to happen at this? Oh yeah, we, maybe we're going to have another great Federer and Nadal match. There's the rivalry. That's all sort of you know gone down a toilet. I mean, you know, this is you know you got Del Potro is a, a, a huge factor now. You know, Soderling has emerged as you know as a potential threat, and and Nadal and Federer didn't show up to this thing, in, in my in my opinion. So you know, what does that tell you for next year going forward? I don't know. I'm not sure even on clay that Nadal is going to have such easy sledding anymore, and certainly Federer is not. He's going to be, I think, very up and down, capable of winning anything, capable of losing anything. I think it was interesting this tournament. Federer was more interesting to me even than Nadal is that he he lost all four of his first sets, which is not that common for him and he came back and won two of those matches and he lost two of them but will that be that seems like to me as a sign of 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 a great player who's getting a little older doesn't start as fast but still knows how to win matches but will that become a pattern for him that's a great point and then and the slam when it's best to five that 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 losing that first set and having to gut out four set matches five set matches that that, that's going to become harder and harder and harder as he goes along um I, think, I don't think you can read too much into a, a fall tournament like this, even though it is the World Tour Finals, but it is, I think, a valid point that it, maybe we're looking at a five, six-man six race next year, um, not counting Verdasco, who <laughs> went 0-3 as well, and we, uh, we ripped him pretty good last time. But just uh, looking ahead to Nadal, he has one more thing before he can kind of regroup, get his breath, and uh, get ready for the Australian Open. That's the Davis Cup Finals coming up this weekend, Spain versus the Czech Republic. Uh, should be interesting. Um, you look at the results of the main head-to-heads. Stepanik is 0-4 against Nadal, um, but they haven't played since 0-5. And Thomas Burdick, the other main Czech player, is 3-5 and against Nadal, but Nadal's won the last four of their meetings. Um, it could be interesting. I mean, if Nadal isn't on his game, he's still a bit in a funk. Ferrer is Spain's second player with Lopez and Verdasco as a, as a tricky lefty tandem in doubles. I mean, Steve, do you think, what do you think? Uh, I think Nadal has to play better than he did last week that's to win sure. I mean it's on yeah. clay it's in Spain so he'll be helped by that he hasn't lost to Burdich in a while and he's, I don't think he's ever lost to him on clay no. um, Stepanek could be a problem because he plays he serves in volleys and he plays a, a different kind of game so we'll we'll see what um, what the different setting how that helps uh, Nadal because if he loses a match they could be in trouble because you don't you really don't know what Ferrer is going to do, and, and the doubles is always a wild card. I think our listeners need to know that James has got this elaborate notebook that he's looking through here. That's right. These to get he's not like Mr. Genius here. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, Burdick is, you know, four and three in third sets three against Nadal this year. So, come on. Let's, <laughs> you don't walk around with yeah, that information. I, 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 don't, I don't have the numbers. Ever. I don't even remember who Federer had that lost that break to. But anyway, uh, I think Nadal, you know, it, it'll be interesting because if Nadal has a really good Davis Cup, then, you know, basically, well, year-end championships was – what it meant to a lot of other players, which is close to zero, at various times in their careers and in history and stuff. So, so we'll see. I have a feeling he'll be up for it because Nadal really loves playing Davis Cup. I mean, he's building a heck of a Davis Cup legacy. You know, this guy, 
And, and that's big. It's big in Europe. You know, American audiences still haven't really, really caught on to Davis Cup. You know, the embargo by the mainstream media and the networks and stuff really hurts. But I'll tell you, you know, Nadal is really compiling a very, very impressive Davis Cup record that's going to last for a long time. It's going to be a real big part of his legacy. So I expect he's going to stand out from Federer, I think, with that. You know, because Federer, I mean, you know, he just obviously plays these the relegation matches, and Nadal has always really put his put his full effort into it. So I think that is a big difference. It will be a great way for him to end the year. It sort of reminds me of Federer was really down last year, and he went to the Olympics, lost in the Olympics in singles, and then but then he won in doubles, and that sort of propelled him to the U.S. Open. Maybe this kind of thing could be similar for Nadal. He wins the Davis Cup, and he feels good about his year. Well, hey, Hopefully he won't do that Federer dance, though, that Federer did after the double. I don't want to see that Nadal. <laughs> do the voodoo? I don't want to see the voodoo, voodoo dance. dance. The voodoo dance. Uh, you know, actually, if you think about Federer's year coming up, if Federer continues to be up and down, he may sneak a little more Davis Cup into it this year because if, you know, if he's not that fatigued that uh, first week of Davis Cup, you know, maybe he says, you know, heck, you know, I'll, I'll go and play. You know, I, I need the matches. I need the two matches. So They play Spain. Okay, I take that back. He's not coming. No, no. All the more reason to go. Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. catch them, especially if Nadal. Look, if, let's say Nadal is playing. Nadal, let's say, has a, a tough Davis Cup checks checks win. Nadal in Australia, so so. Well, why not? You know, right? Well, I, I think if he does well and they win the Davis Cup final, I think it could be that mental boost that he needs. That he can go and take two weeks off and then really start getting back into the training for Australia. And he'll have had a good season when you look back on it if they win the Davis Cup. Is that not that good? More <laughs> than five titles. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think I think he'll I think it'll be a good tie. It should be very entertaining. Um, and I, I'm more intrigued by just seeing, like you said, Stepanek going against Nadal because he's just that, such a tricky player and. The I chance to see, to see him do the worm. I want to see the worm on clay. I wouldn't Spain. discount Berdick either. You know, the guy, he just, he's got a huge serve. He grew up on clay. And, you know, there's no pressure at all. That guy, you know, guy can't play under pressure. But when you, you put him in a situation like this. Well, there's no pressure. But all of a sudden, if, depending on the draw, if he's the fifth in deciding match and he's going up against a dollar or, or Stepanek, the pressure's there. And I think, I think Burdage would collapse in that situation. But I think in a, if he plays second or, yeah, I agree, there's less pressure in that for opening day than the just final day. The, if you can just swing from the heels, it's a way against a dollar in Spanish play. No. Maybe he'll listen to this and he'll try to prove you wrong. That's true. James Martin. Oh, I'm yes. sure he's tuned right in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go with Spain as the winner. What do you guys think on this? Uh, I, I've got to go with Spain, yeah. too. I, I like their Davis Cup spirit, too. You've got to remember, Davis Cup, a big part of it is a, is a team spirit factor, I think. And I, the Spanish really have nailed it. They've really got that damn pat. They're good, and their they're, um, doubles team is good. Lopez and Verdasco are good in Davis Cup. Yeah, two lefties. Well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll revisit uh, the Davis Cup final uh, and the results of that next week. And until then, uh, join us uh, for another edition of the Tennis.com podcast. I'm James Martin with Steve Tigner and Peter Bodo. Thanks for joining us, guys. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. Tennis.com.